Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvey, your editor behind the steel curtain.com with another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, and it is Wednesday hump day. That is right. Wednesday is here. It is mailbag Wednesday in the second half of this podcast. I am going to dive into that Twitter mailbag. If you ever want to be a part of that, by the way, all you got to do is follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. That's J, the letter J, Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Follow me on Twitter every Tuesday. You'll see me post a tweet just saying, all right, ride or die crew, you know the drill. Time for some questions. Always use a Shooter McGavin gif. He's my favorite villain of any Happy Gilmore movie. Maybe I'll change that up next year. I don't know. But for this season, we're riding it out with Shooter. Shooter. But, you know, this is a funny time of year. For me, I love and hate this time of year. I I love the fact that the holiday season is upon us. Uh, We are approaching all sorts of holidays. Festivus, for those Seinfeld fans out there, obviously Christmas coming up this weekend. And hopefully you've been checking out our Merry Steeler Memories podcast. I did mine a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. I can't remember. And uh, all Dave Schofield, Brian Anthony Davis, Jeffrey Benedict, KT Smith, we've all done them. The Power Half Hour crew did theirs. So... Make sure you check those out, but the holidays are here. I love that aspect, but my goodness, do I hate these short days. I'm talking about the sun's coming up late and it's going down early, but the the good news is, and the optimist in me, is that if you look at your calendar right now, you're seeing that it's the 22nd of December, which means that starting now, right now, days start to get a little longer. That's right. Warmer weather is coming. I love this holiday season, but the, the winters are tough sometimes for me. Someone that loves to be outside, love to golf. Uh, goodness gracious, sometimes these cold days are tough. But still, this also means that the playoffs are coming around. And everyone laughs when you talk about the Steelers in the playoffs. Everyone laughs. They're like, oh, the Steelers aren't going to make it. Well, who says they're not going to make it? I mean, seriously. As of last I checked, they are still in the hunt. And as long as they're in the hunt... This team has a chance. And don't sit there and tell me, well, they're not going to do anything if they get in. Says who? That's all I'm going to say. Teams can right the ship. Teams can find a way. Teams can figure something out at any point. Is it likely? That's a different story altogether. I'm not about to write this team off. No one should be ready to write this team off. They have three games left guaranteed. We should all enjoy it, and we should all just take in as much as we can while we can, especially if it's Ben Roethlisberger's last ride. 
And one way to take in all that stuff is to go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you check it out early and often all throughout the day. We update it regularly with the latest breaking news, features, film rooms, commentary, you name it. All right in one spot, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And also, make sure you're listening to our podcast platform wherever you get your podcasts. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. So the Chiefs are coming up. Trip to Arrowhead Stadium. There's a lot of memories in that stadium for the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it was the divisional win. I think that was back in 2016 where uh, Chris Boswell single-handedly beat the Chiefs. Uh, That was the famed holding call on James Harrison that iced the game essentially. Uh, I I remember the Landry Jones game where he started the game that was just atrocious. Uh, But there's been a lot of memories there with between the Steelers and the Chiefs. For some reason, they haven't had to go to Arrowhead too many times. Uh, But recently, uh, the Steelers, eh, it's kind of mixed bag of goods in terms of their visits to Arrowhead. But right now, Everyone and their brother, including the odds makers, are thinking the Steelers are going to get completely routed. The early line was 10 points. I saw 10.5 on some books. And that's that's a double-digit underdog, folks. The Steelers and Mike and the Mike Tomlin era, I'm hoping Dave Schofield dives into this in his Stat Geek podcast on Thursday morning. I hope he talks about when was the last time the Steelers in the Ben Roethlisberger era with Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin were they double-digit underdogs. I'll be curious if he, if he can dig that up. I'm sure it probably isn't too difficult, but my gosh, it hasn't happened often. I guarantee you that. But here we go. And now everyone is down on the Steelers, even after they came, they won 19-13 win over the Tennessee Titans in Week 15. Instead of riding high, a lot of people are just down in the dumps. This team stinks, can't do anything. Oh, woe is me, blah, blah, blah. Can the Steelers do the unthinkable Sunday versus the Chiefs? That's the question, and that's the topic in the headline of this podcast. Can they do the unthinkable? Can they do what no one is giving them a chance to do? Kids, if you're listening out there, earmuffs, because I'm going to answer this question. Can they do it? Earmuffs, kids. You're damn right they can do it. Yes, the Steelers can do it. I'm going to tell you why. and I'm not going to try to dive too much into what I normally do on Fridays, which is talk about you know, what they need to do, the Steelers need to do to make sure that they find a way to win. But we're going to talk about some of those things. First and foremost, I'm not ignoring the negatives here, okay? This team is not perfect. (laughs) Anyone that watches even a drive of offense or defense knows they are not perfect. However, uh, I'm not going to dwell on, like, the rush defense, uh, the offense's inability to move the ball last Sunday. I'm not going to talk. Everyone's talking about that. Not going to talk about that. I'm trying to be different. I don't want to be the same old podcast. If you're listening to me, I want you thinking that every time you tune into my Let's Ride podcast, you're going to get a fresh take. You're not getting the same old humdrum crap that you're hearing on all these other podcasts. So I'm not going to talk about the negatives. I'm going to tell you why they can do the unthinkable. You know, I look at the past, even this season. Think about week one in Buffalo. Anyone give them a chance there? Nope. No one gave them a chance there. They found a way to win. I got to be honest, there were people that when the Steelers were going to Cleveland, when they were going to Cleveland, people didn't want to give them a chance. People were like, oh, really? They're they're going to Cleveland? They had won two games in a row. They had beaten Denver. They had beaten Seattle, but those were kind of iffy. They beat Cleveland. Honestly, when when the Baltimore Ravens came to town, that was right after the Steelers got shellacked by the Bengals 41-10. Everyone said they're going to get run all over. Lamar Jackson's going to rip them to shreds. Nope, found a way to win. 
And I got to be honest, even people and the odds makers changed their tune on this game last Sunday, but there were a lot of folks out there and I'm not talking about fans. Fans are always skeptical and fickle and all that stuff. I'm talking about NFL quote unquote experts that did not give the Steelers a prayer versus the Titans. Guess what? Found a way to win. Found a way to win. So they have some of that moxie to them. Some of these games that, and think about the teams we're talking about here. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans. Say what you want about the Browns and the Ravens. They are considered the upper tier of AFC teams. Got to admit it. You have to admit it. You might want to say if it's Brown, flush it down and call them the Ratbirds and all that, th- all that. But they're not down basement dwellers with the teams like the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Steelers are finding ways to win this game. But you need to also look into how they won those games. So you got to create turnovers. You have to create turnovers. You got to take the ball away. Look at the Tennessee game as the blueprint in that regard. They took it away four times. They needed every single one of those takeaways, those turnovers, but they were opportunistic. The botch snap, they get the Steelers get the football. Ball's tipped in the air. It's the Steelers coming down with it. Some of this stuff is luck, and some people say the turnovers come in bunches. I've said it on Monday. I'll say it again. If the Steelers are in the point now in the season where they're starting to come into those turnovers, they're starting to get those takeaways, what, what a better time than there right now. Okay, I hope you know what I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Next, they found a way to make special plays. Think of week one. Miles Killebrew comes through, blocks the punt. Ulysses Gilbert the third scores, touchdown, special team score. You need some of those special plays. Maybe it's a Chris Boswell 56-yarder or something of that nature. I know he missed a 56-yarder on Sunday, but that was just the number that came to mind. You need a special play sometimes from your special teams unit to kind of turn the tide. It's happened more more than one occasion, not just in week one. They need those special plays. And then lastly, maximize your opportunities. Yeah, everyone was down on the Steelers' offense because they had four takeaways, and they only equated all of those takeaways to field goals. And I know sometimes they didn't get first downs unless it was via penalty, But here is the thing you have to understand is that they were able to get, my favorite word in football, pot. No, not that pot. Points off turnovers. They were able to get pot. Points off turnovers. My, My brother and I, for the longest time, as long as I can remember, would always say how important points off turnovers is and are. And in this aspect, you think about all those field goals, at least they were adding to their point totals, and it ended up being the difference maker in the game. So while we can bemoan the fact that they didn't score a touchdown off those takeaways, they were able to cash in every single time. That's the type of stuff that needs to happen to maximize opportunities. Okay, now let's go a little step further. I looked at Kansas City's statistics. Now, I'm, I, I'm not stealing Dave Schofield's thunder. I'm not going to dive all the way into rankings and stuff like that. Tune into his Stat Geek podcast on Thursday where he always breaks down the upcoming opponent. He looks at the Steelers' rankings versus their rankings. It's a great segment. You check that out. But I wanted to look at a couple things. I wanted to see the, the Kansas City Chiefs, their takeaway and turnover ratio. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to take a look at this and say, okay, I'm looking at turnovers. What's their differential? So I'm scrolling down. Believe it or not, the Steelers are plus two, by the way. That four turnovers, the six turnovers in the last two games with only one giveaway, the, the one interception by a Ben Roethlisberger against Minnesota. It's the only giveaway they've had, the only turnover they've had in the last two games. They've gotten six takeaways. The Steelers are plus two now in differential. I was like, where's Kansas City? They're even. They're zero. 
They're not in the they're not in the black. They're not in the red. But just look at these numbers. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they haven't turned the ball over that many times. No, they've turned it over 25 times this year. 25 times. The Steelers, in case you're wondering, well, I wonder how many that is compared to Pittsburgh, have only turned it over 15. They turned it over 10 more times. The Kansas City Chiefs, 10 more times. They've thrown 13 interceptions to 12 fumbles. 13 interceptions to 12 fumbles. Now, here's the kicker to that, though. Remember, there's zero in the differential. That means that they have 25 takeaways as well. They have 40, 14 interceptions and 11 fumble recoveries. So, this is a team, the Kansas City Chiefs, that they are risk takers. I feel like they've always been that way under Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. He's willing to take the risk, and honestly, rarely does he get burned. But I'm looking at these numbers, and okay, so the Steelers have to take it away. This is a game that if these takeaways are trends and they're developing, this is a game that you would think, based on the numbers of so far, you know, the the, all, the entire season of 2021, the regular season, they can take it away. So maximize those opportunities, create those turnovers, but also the the Chiefs can take the ball away themselves and they can create turnovers so protect the football. The one thing that the Steelers probably cannot just sit there and figure out and do on their own, and this is something Mike Tomlin talked about on Tuesday during his press conference. He said, I wanted to look at Patrick Mahomes' sack reel under pressure. He said, you're not going to find many clips. You can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. He's a very intelligent quarterback. They're very good at scheming what to do when pressure comes. The Steelers are going to have to get home, if they get home, by just rushing their front four, five players. Send the house. You're going to get burned. The Kansas City Chiefs have only surrendered 25 sacks. That's it. They've only surrendered 25 sacks this season. And so when you think about that number, you're like, okay, they're probably not going to be the Steelers are probably not going to be able to get around Mahomes too much. And again, if you just don't want to blitz him. But there's one more factor here, and this has been news recently, and that is COVID-19. It's impacting the entire sports world, and right now it's impacting the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, their kicker Harrison Butker, and amongst others, I think there were seven more players added to their reserve COVID-19 list on Tuesday. This can impact the game. Yes, the NFL did change their protocols. Yes, I hate talking about this stuff. Yes, it can still impact the game. If these players, they all had positive tests, by the way. This is not close contact stuff. This is not Joey Bosa against the Chargers when he has a close contact and he was able to come back and play. That's not this at all. They had a positive test, all these players. Now it depends on if they have symptoms or not, and then they have to test out. You're seeing this, uh, you saw it in Cleveland on Monday night. Both of their quarterbacks, Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, could not test out. They weren't able to play. So while they are changing those protocols, it can still impact the game. So, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I want them at full strength. Okay, that's fine, but if they're not, am I going to cry about it? No. If the Steelers don't have to defend Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, am I going to say... Well, shucks, I wish the Steelers could have played them at full strength. I am not. There's going to be people that are. I'm not one of them. I'm going to take any advantage that I can get. Any advantage that I can get. And Mike Tomlin has famously said this over and over again. One man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. He says that all the time about his depth chart and about players that get injured. That's their misfortune. The next man up, that's his opportunity. In this case, the Kansas City Chiefs' misfortune 
could be the Steelers' opportunity to go into Arrowhead and steal a game that maybe they should not have won with all their players healthy. It is what it is. Could the NFL move this game? Well, it's the Chiefs. I mean, yes, they could. And I really hope that doesn't happen because, my goodness, you want to hear a rant. Wait till they move the game. <laughs> then tune in to the Let's Ride podcast after that because it will be it, it'll be great. We'll put it that way. Okay, so, hey, let's bring this all the way back to the start. Can the Steelers do the unthinkable? Why not? Why not? Why can't they do the unthinkable? I, th- this team is so sporadic. This team is so, this team is like the National Football League right now. The one thing I didn't mention is how these teams are losing games that they have no business. And I'm not talking about the Steelers. You look at things like Arizona going to Detroit and losing. You're talking about a Super Bowl favorite, Arizona Cardinals going to Detroit, arguably the worst team in the league in losing. The New Orleans Saints shut out Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The Houston Texans go into Buffalo and beat the Bills. I think that was the game. I mean, it, these games have been out of this world. You literally don't know what's going to happen every week. You have no clue. And that gives the Steelers a chance, and I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. All right, folks, when we come back, mailbag time. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the SteelCurtain.com, and it is mailbag time on this hump day. And we have a lot of questions. You know, I was recording this earlier, so I put it out on the tweet like, hey, you got to get those questions in early. Don't waste time. And they, hey, my ride or die crew did not waste time. Let's get things started. British Owen David. He says, how do we kickstart the offense for Sunday so that it, that can actually put together effective drives rather than looking like an asthmatic three-legged donkey? Well, that's an interesting uh, picture. Would you move Kendrick Green to guard next season and get a new center? Rider, hashtag Rider Dyke. Thank you, Owen. Okay, so first question, because he cheated Ness two and one. So the first question is, what do this, what do they need to do to kickstart the offense? I, I wouldn't, I would love for the Steelers to come out and have a package that's up tempo, ready to go. It, remember, up tempo is not no huddle. Up tempo is okay. If the Chiefs come out in base, and if we put an offensive package out there, and they respond with a certain defensive package, and it's the one that we want. We're going up tempo. That means that we are going to we're not going to substitute. We're going to get on the ball, we're going to make calls and we're going to move the ball quickly. And people will say, "Well, Jeff, that could lead to a quick 3 and out." If you get the ball to start the game, who cares? I mean, let's be honest. Who cares? Your defense isn't tired. They should be fresh. So you go out there and you try something different. Go up tempo, try something different. And the second question I've got a million times about moving Kendrick Green to to guard. I Honestly, I'm not even going to entertain that right now based on the fact that I have no clue what prospective centers are out there in terms of free agency and or even in the draft. So I'm just going to avoid that question. Green is the center for the rest of the season, whether you like it or not. Okay, season of believing. This guy has flip-flopped more than a politician, I swear, with his with his uh, Twitter handle, but I love it. I love it. He said, I know the reasoning for him not getting time to tackle, but can we use Banner in his original tackle eligible spot and of course the cheating second question 
cheater, is Tomlin opposed to taking shots after turnovers? I was screaming Sunday, hashtag Ryder Die Crew. This gentleman was at the game on Sunday. So first and foremost, I think the Steelers have used Banner as an extra tackle on more than one occasion, but it's just not Matt Canada's thing. And so they haven't done it a lot. Maybe that's something they will change and do more of. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, in terms of Tomlin taking a shot, I think that you have to you kind of have to weigh the moment. You have to think about the situation the Steelers find themselves in. So let's go back to Sunday. Let's say that Tennessee, which they did, dominates the time of possession. The Steelers get a turnover. The one thing that would be great is to score quick, but at the same time, you're then putting your defense right back out there. I could see Tomlin telling Canada, hey, let's take a little conservative approach. Let's see if we can grind them down a little bit, score a, a drive of our own, and that way our defense will kind of get fresh. But at the same time, no, I don't think he's opposed to it. Sometimes it's just not open, especially in Tennessee. Do you think Ben Roethlisberger had the time to take a seven, eight-step drop and chuck it downfield? I don't. I honestly don't. The offensive line just wasn't giving him that time, but good questions. Pitt Sportbot says, do you think some of Presley Harvin's problems, punting, come from concerns over his dad's health? Stuff like that can definitely weigh on a person. So this is stemming from Presley Harvin the third, big press. He put on his Instagram stories that – his dad got he came to the game on Sunday and he basically put out there that they found out that I'm some, some type of diagnosis that his time here is limited and he was glad that his dad got to come to another game and it was a picture of Mike Tomlin going over and shaking hands with his parents and of course it gets put on social media and now all of a sudden like people are saying wow man that's that's so tough you know that's crazy maybe this is why he's not punting so well I I, I don't want to sound cold. But at the same time, like, yes, your dad might be not might might not be well, but you gotta go out and perform. <laughs> now, I'm I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm laughing at my comment because it sounds so cold hearted. But sometimes you just have to go out there and get the job done. And again, it sounds horrible. Think back to like Brett Favre. Yeah, anyone, anyone remember the game against Oakland Green Bay? I think it was in Oakland. It was on Monday Night Football. His dad had just died. And he played, he goes out there and lights it up. I mean, so it's not like, you know, but Presley Harvin, he's, I'm sure he has a lot of his mind. I'm, I'm sure he does. But at the same time, I, I can't say that that can be the excuse for why you're not doing your job and performing. We all have jobs. We've all grieved. Does that excuse us from not doing our job? I, again, I feel horrible for saying this, but at the same time, I feel like it has to be said too. Shield91 says, are the Steelers a playoff caliber team? I understand getting to the dance, but is this team capable of competing against other playoff-bound organizations as it stands today? Well, Shield, I kind of talked about this in the first segment. Do you think that the Bills are a playoff-caliber team? Most would say yes. They beat them. Would you? Some people would say are the Cleveland Browns even considered a playoff-caliber team? I think most would say yes. They beat them. Baltimore Ravens, yes, I would say that. They beat them. Tennessee Titans, yes, they beat them. You just don't know. That's why you play the game. as You, you play to win the game, as Herm Edwards would say. So, yeah, I think that if the Steelers get in the dance, you never know. You never know. And, yes, people are, well, they give up 200 yards on the ground so much, but they only surrendered 107 to the Ravens. That's the kind of crap that we're dealing with with this team. You just have no clue, but good question. MDibs24 asks a couple here. He says, worst thing you've done after a Steelers loss. So I think I told this story, and this was after the 2000 and 
2015 playoff loss? No, it wasn't 2015. It was 2011. No, 10. I don't know. Whatever year it was, 2010, I think is what it is. Uh, the Tim Tebow game. I went out and tried to rip a frozen mailbox cover off of my mailbox. almost ripped it out of the ground. Made a fool out of myself, probably, if neighbors were watching. But that's the worst thing I've done, believe it or not. I've never punched a hole in a wall. I've never shattered a television. I've never thrown anything. Um, it's just I, that moment at the, the Tebow game was when I realized like, I can't take myself this serious. I can't put this much into it in terms of it's going to affect how I respond and react. And so especially with kids now, they I don't want them to see me get so upset. So if they lose, they lose. They win. That's awesome. I do still scream and stuff like that. Good question. The next question, he says, does Le'Veon Bell outbox Jake Paul? Now, if anyone hasn't seen this on Twitter, Le'Veon Bell has been going after Jake Paul. Jake Paul is a online YouTuber who has turned into a boxer, and he, he's not bad. He's not bad. Le'Veon Bell considers himself a boxer. I hope that he's a better boxer than a rapper because he's awful at, at rapping. Uh, and I, I honestly don't know if he would outbox him or not, but Jake Paul actually has a record. Le'Veon Bell does not. I'd love to see it happen. Um, I'd love to see Le'Veon Bell get knocked out. Not going to lie. Not going to lie at all. Phil D says, who is the first coach to be relieved of his duties once the season ends? We know who it won't be. Teflon Tomlin. Hint, 29th ranked run defense. So um, I think that if I were to guess, the first coach to be relieved of their duties once the season ends, it's not going to be a firing. It's going to be a we're not renewing his contract, and that would be Keith Butler. Uh, That's just the way I'm thinking. I could also see them keeping him. I really could. No, I don't think Tomlin's going to be fired. And I don't think Matt Canada's going to get fired either. And I'm not going to count anyone underneath that because I think if you make moves, it's like, okay, the Steelers are going to have a new secondary coach. It's not, it's not going to make that big of a difference, in my opinion. David Testis asked, got to stay in Pittsburgh this past weekend with family and went to the game on Sunday. That's awesome. Steeler Nation showed up and showed out. The place was electric. What's your most memorable Steelers game experience at Heinz Field from over the years? Hashtag ride or die crew. So 2013 was the last time I was at Heinz Field. And the, the 2013 game, the first one I went to, I believe was week three. That was against Chicago. It was on Sunday Night Football. I was the NBC fan of the week. And myself and another uh, Steeler fan and two Bears fans, we were – it was a great weekend. We got to go all around the city in the Sunday Night Football bus. Uh, we got taken out to dinner at Jerome Bettis's Grill 36 on Friday, Saturday, toured the city, went up the incline – Got to get free jerseys. It was a lot of fun. But that's not the most memorable. The most memorable was the game I went to later in the year. It was a Sunday night game against Cincinnati. That was the game that Terrence Garvin broke Huber, the punter of the Bengals' jaw, on an Antonio Brown punt return. I'm sure most of you remember that game. I was there, and I had t- I took my friend. I've talked about my friend who passed away of ALS. Um, he was in a wheelchair at that time. We had two trips to Pittsburgh scheduled within like three weeks of each other. One was to that Sunday night game. The other one was to a Penguins-Minnesota Wild game. It was Matt Cook's first game back to Pittsburgh after leaving. And it was the, both were great trips. The, the Sunday night game against Cincinnati, which the Steelers won, was electric. It was also freezing cold, so cold. At Heinz Field, they were just giving out hot chocolate. You didn't have to pay a dime. They were literally just giving it to everyone. But that was probably the most memorable Steelers game experience. I don't get to go to games too much anymore. Um, someone has to... Man the ship. We'll put it that way. So Dave Schofield goes in my stead. All right, Lori asks, knowing what we know now about Harvin's family situation, will you upgrade him from little to medium-sized press at least? Where do you stand on fans booing the players? I've never liked it, but that's just me. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, you too, Lori. And she uses hashtag Ride or Die Crew. Okay, so I talked about the Harvin situation. Um, 
I think I'm just going to call him Presley Harvin for now until he deserves the nickname one way or the other. But in terms of fans booing the players, I've always felt that if if you are a fan and you bought a ticket to go to that game, you have every right to boo, cheer, not cheer, whatever you want. Uh, I'm not someone that's going to boo players if I go, but I'm also not going to be upset. For instance, when uh, Presley Harvin got booed before anyone knew about his family situation, I guarantee you no one was like, oh, we shouldn't be booing him right now. He has not performed well. And when the offense couldn't muster a first down and they got booed, I doubt anyone said, oh, I can't believe they're booing him. No, it's because they're not performing well. If the players don't want to get booed, don't go out and stink up the joint. That's all there is to it. But, hey, everyone is different. Some people say they don't want to boo. I get it. Some people say they do. I get that, too. That's okay. Good question. Daily Joint Company says, Jeff, in your opinion, and looking to the future a little bit, what position do you feel is the most needed for the team to be successful in 2022? In either free agency or the draft. I should add, I mean any position other than quarterback since we know that's the clear need. Okay, so he asked another one, but we're going to do this from first. I think that if I'm looking ahead in free agency or the draft, the Steelers need to shore up the offensive line. Some might say the defensive front. I get that. I think that we're all banking on Tyson Aluwalu coming back as well as Stephon Tuitt next year, in which case the defensive line would be okay because you're still going to have Chris Wormley. You're still going to have Isaiah Loudermill coming back. You're still going to have some depth there. Carlos Davis will still be there. I think Isaiah Bugs is still under contract. So the defensive line, if you can get those two players, Aluwalu and Tuit back, they're fine. I think it's the offensive line. has to be. You have to shore up the offensive line. you got to get some guys in there that can block for Najee Harris, protect the quarterback, whoever that is. So that's where I'm going to go with that. And he said, also, in true Ride or Die Crew fashion, I have a second question. Who are the top three players currently on this team who you're bringing back next year who don't have contracts now? I'm talking lower-tier guys. For me, it's easily Killebrew, Millette, and maybe Juju if he's nice and cheap. Okay, I, I don't think Juju's coming back, personally. Uh, I'd be fine with Killebrew coming back. Millette? Nah, I could give or take. Uh, you're saying lower tier guys. I would I would try to bring back Terrell Edmonds. That's not a that's not a, a popular take. A lot of people think that he needs to go. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I would also say when I'm thinking about players that want to come back. I mean, you're gonna have to figure out something with uh, James Pierre. Uh, you might have to get a deal done with uh, Witherspoon, Akello Witherspoon, if you like what he's doing. Uh, they're they're going to have some moves that they're going to have to make, for sure. Trey Turner, if you think he still has something left, it's another name. Ryan Carter says, does it seem to you like this team lacks pride? Watching them play, no one picks up Ben after hit, after hits. Najee in the backfield getting smothered by defenders, giving up five-plus yards after contact. Uh, they need an injection of heart. What are they? What are they fighting for? The muth injury cannot light fires. Okay, so, you know, this is a situation where it's tough for me or any of us as fans. We're not in the locker room. We're not on the field to really get a feel for something that's intangible like pride. Yeah, there are times where it feels like it's kind of lackadaisical out there, and there are times where it kind of feels like it's just they don't have that mojo, if you want to put it that way. And so for me, I look at it and say, well, Maybe they do need a little bit of pride, but at the same time, that comes with winning. It comes with winning. The swagger comes when you win games. Teams that have swagger and lose consistently are just fools. They're just jokers. You don't want to be that team. David asks, what is the Hartman family must-have Christmas food item? Our tradition is prime rib. Hashtag Ryder Well, good question, David. Uh, in Christmas time, 
my wife's cranberry relish is a must. Is a must. Now, I might grill another turkey. I grilled one for Thanksgiving. My wife's trying to talk me into one, which I probably will end up doing because what she wants is what she gets. And uh, But it's her cranberry relish. It's cranberry uh, canned pineapple apples and oranges all mixed together. It's the sweetness of the pineapple and the other fruit with the tartness of the cranberries. If you have it and it's done right, and she, I think, I don't know if she puts any sugar. I don't think she does. If it's done right, you'll never have gravy again. Just beware, okay? Just letting you know. That's our must. That's our staple. Good question. Thomas asks, what are the keys to beating Kansas City? I know having Hayden back is huge. I have a gut feeling that we will win this week. Hashtag better die crew. Thomas, I love your gut feeling. I've got a decent feeling about this game too. I, I still want to see how this COVID stuff plays out. I'm not ready to make my prediction yet or anything like that. But the keys, I think, are what I said earlier. You got to have, you got to create turnovers. You got to have some special plays. You're going to have to maximize your opportunities. Brittany asks, I know Steelers will have more cap space next year. Do you think the Steelers will be able to re sign Fitzpatrick and give him the contract he deserves? Or do you think we'll see the same cycle of seeing great players leave because we can't pay them? Hashtag Rider Die Crew. So I, I don't think Minka Fitzpatrick's a player you're not going to let go. Like, you might lose Trell Edmonds. But you're not going to let Minka Fitzpatrick go. You would that would be so foolish. Outside of TJ Watt, so think about it this way: the big three on defense, Cam, TJ, Minka. Cam got locked up before 2020. TJ gets locked up before 2021. Minka gets locked up before 2022. Now, when it comes to good players leaving, like would you consider Joe Hayden to be one of those players? Because they might not bring him back. Like I said, Trell Edmonds. But yeah, I definitely think that they re-signed Minka Fitzpatrick. And remember, when you sign a contract, when they get Minka Fitzpatrick to sign another deal, let's say it's a four-year deal, well, they're going to be able to set up that contract so it's not going to completely blow all of their free, their spending money, their salary cap space in that first year. Just like TJ Watt's cap hit this year is not that significant. It gets worse, but this year, not that significant. But good question. Or uh, Rob asks, Would, wouldn't, an 8-8-1 eight, eight and one record be the most Tomlin way to finish this season. Thanks for helping us ride this frustrating year. Happy holidays. Hashtag Ride or Die Crew. It's funny. Jeffrey Benedict, our writer at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and our podcast host of Know Your Enemy and of uh, The Cutting Room Floor, he said that 8-8-1 eight, eight and one would be the most Mike Tomlin thing ever. In a year where there is no 500, they find a way to finish 500. I just don't think they do finish 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think they at least get nine wins or maybe things fall apart and they don't even get there, but I don't think they finish eight, eight and one. I don't know what it is about me that thinks that I just don't think they do. Thank you for the happy holidays, which is same to you. Sebastian uh, asked, can you tell me what's the biggest problem with the run defense, a special position group or something else? We can't get multiple takeaways to win every remaining game. Thanks for everything you do, Jeff and happy holidays. Hashtag rider die crew. This gentleman looks like he's from Germany. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you, Sebastian, and you and your family. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, To answer the uh, question, the run defense. So it starts with the defensive front. Okay, the way the Steelers' defense is is set up is so that you have defenders who can contain, take up two blockers. And what you're seeing now is that even when Montrevious Adams came and played before the Baltimore game, and this is maybe one of the reasons why they only scored, uh, had 107 rushing yards in that game, was he was able to take up two blockers. And so when you do that, that lineman's not able to get to the second level. With second level, 
We're talking about inside linebackers. Well, look at the inside linebackers. You don't have Vince Williams. Vince Williams was a guy that would take on that lineman and shed that blocker and still able to disrupt the play. Somehow, Devin Bush, small, not a big guy. He's not going to be able to do that. Joe Schobert, ditto, not going to be able to do that. If they can get someone like Montrevious Adams back off reserve COVID this week, it would be a big boost. Get Isaiah Bugs back even. Again, big boost. They just don't have – look, Stefan Tuitt would do this in the run game. Take up two defenders. Tyson Alualu, take up two defenders. Cam Hayward does that, but they run away from him. They literally say, where's Cam? We're going to run away from that wherever he is. So the Steelers, they have to adjust, but they can't really adjust too much. They just can't. So in my that, that's my best analysis of what's wrong with the run defense. Toxum, I hope I said that correctly, says, any alternatives to the guard tapping the center's hip to snap the ball on road games? Kansas City is loud, and it is. He said, I've never liked giving the interior defensive lineman the jump, but especially with the new, young, 53, he's talking about Kendrick Green. And what he's referring to, this was old, This was Ramon Foster's job in the past. And he was the one that would look back at Roethlisberger. And once Ben gave him the signal, or he knew a signal, whether it was the, the feet, the hand, something, he would then tap the center, and then they would go. Uh, they have The alternative is to have different – and this is also tough with with a rookie center. It is difficult. Um, I know with Pouncey, there would be times where Foster would tap Pouncey, but they knew not to go on the first tap. And it was just maybe to see if they could get the defensive line to jump. And if Pouncey saw those guys go across, they would snap the ball quickly to try to draw them off sides. I'm not sure if they're there yet with with um, Kendrick Green, but that is the alternative. And they have to figure something out. They do. All right. So Frankie Kalia says, great job with pronouncing my name last week. Hey, I hope I said it right again. He said, you got it right the first time. Thoughts slash speculations on TJ not getting holding calls called on him favorite christmas gift you have received okay so first my gosh the holding calls were just unbelievable i mean or i should i say the non-holding calls there was a great play where tj watt is being held i think he's actually being hugged by two offensive linemen they realize they have to let him go or else they're going to get a 10-yard flag he gets go he gets let go and he goes and makes a play unbelievable play uh but i i think that TJ Watt is is going to draw a certain amount of attention, but for some reason this season, and I'm not sure why, he's not getting the attention of the officials. That's interesting, but that's a great point. Uh, he said, the favorite Christmas gift you have ever received. So if I think back to when I was a kid, I remember when we had Nintendo. And so I grew up with a regular Nintendo, an 8-bit Nintendo, and it was great, and I loved it. If I could find a working 8-bit Nintendo that you didn't have to blow into the cartridge and do like the the power, 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 reset power trick to get the games to work. If I could find a working Nintendo, I'd have it, and I'd probably play it way more than I should. I'm talking Super Tech Mobile, Tech Mobile, uh, it, Double Dribble, uh, I, so many games, Legend of Zelda. I had them all. Had them all. Loved them all. But I remember when Sega Genesis came out. My parents, <laughs> they were the best during the holidays. I remember I've wanted a Sega so bad. And so we would open up our presents early in the morning. I was always up really early. And my cousin, Chris, who's only about two years younger than me, I think, maybe not even two, he would, he, we would always call each other and, and say, hey, what'd you get and all this stuff? And, and we'd wish our, my aunt and uncle a happy, bir- or a happy birthday, a Merry Christmas. And I'd say, Chris, what'd you get? And he goes, oh, we got a Sega. This is so awesome. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, are you serious? You got a Sega? He said, yeah, it's so great. 
and I didn't get a Sega. And I was like, oh, gosh, this stinks. Like, I wanted a Sega Genesis so bad. The NHL games I knew were great on there. And then what happens? There was in the bottom of our stocking. So we had the stockings that were – we didn't have a fireplace in my house. So they were hanging on the uh, railing going downstairs in a split-level home. And so we're opening up our – I used to hate the stocking. Hey, they put a little candies in there. It's a waste of time. And then at the very bottom of the stocking was this little piece of paper folded up. And you opened it up, and it was a clue. And my mom and dad sent me on a scavenger hunt. And I got a Sega Genesis. I found – I was so happy. I mean, oh, my gosh. I had Joe Montana football – NBA Jam, NHL PA 93. I mean, it was the best. I mean, the best. So good. That was probably one of my favorite Christmas memories. Frankie, thank you for asking that question. That brings back some really good memories. All right, so Ryan Matthew asks, is Ben really tied with Claypool for touchdowns on the season right now, or is ESPN tripping? So he, he asked me that, and I was like, what are you talking about? And he said that Claypool only has one touchdown all season, and so does Roethlisberger after the quarterback sneak. Claypool has been struggling to get in the end zone. That is a fact. No doubt about it. So, you know, it is what it is. But you're right. Then ESPN is not tripping. <laughs> tripping, as the kids say, whatever they say. <laughs> All right, last question here comes from Mendez, a late submission, but I got to it. He said, will the NFL really move the Kansas City Steelers game if more Kansas City players test positive? The Casey's, Casey's last game was December 16th. Yeah, that's right. They played on Thursday night against the Chargers. Moving it to December 26th essentially gives them another bye week. That is a huge competitive advantage. The one thing to keep in mind is that the Steelers don't play after that until Monday Night Football against Cleveland. And Cleveland this week plays on Saturday against Green Bay. So they would have an extended break. I could see the, I could see the NFL moving this game. But you have to think about, okay, how many players are testing positive? How many are able to test out? This is all... Something completely new with these new protocols, so keep that in mind. All right, good questions, as always. Good questions. Went a little long. Hope you don't mind. I don't mind. So listen, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. Make sure you check that website out early and often. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. And then lastly, as I always finish out all my podcasts, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. I'll see you on Friday with Blue Check Back. Have a good day. Go Steelers. Every night, I'm sipping coffee, but